Good morning, everyone. It's so brilliant to be with you today. Um, last week, I was looking at the BBC News website, and I came across a wee article where um, basically an entire village, every morning at 7 a.m., would lose their broadband. Every morning, 7 a.m. And uh, engineers eventually got to the bottom of why that was happening, and it was to do with an old TV set. Now, let me read you what the article said. An unnamed householder in Powys was unaware the old TV set would emit a signal which would interfere with the entire village's broadband. After 18 months, engineers began an, an investigation after a cable replacement program failed to fix the issue. The embarrassed householder promised not to use the television again. The village now has a stable broadband signal. Openreach engineers were baffled by the continuous problem, and it wasn't until they used a monitoring device that they found the fault. The householder would switch their TV set on at 7 a.m. every morning, and electrical interference emitted by the second-hand television was affecting the broadband signal. Isn't it amazing how just one TV set can interfere with an entire village's broadband? Something so obscure, something so harmless as an old TV set can cause so much disruption and interference over such a prolonged period of time. And this morning, we're going to look at three seemingly unassuming men, just three men who out of the entire nation of Babylon made a stand and a very gutsy decision. Just like that old TV set caused disruption and interference, so do they into the very heart of power, a radical move that demonstrated the power and the presence of God. And so today we're continuing in our series in Daniel, the book of Daniel. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you run and grab that now? And if you don't have a Bible, I really recommend you download from the app store onto your phone the Bible. So we're in Daniel 3 this morning, and we're going to start at verse 1, and we're kind of dipping in and out most of Daniel 3. So I'll, uh, I'll tell you when to stop and when to start as we go along. So Daniel 3. Verse 1, King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, 60 cubits high and 6 cubits wide, and set it up on the plain of Jura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he had set up. We're going to skip to verse 4. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you were commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Now we're going to skip down to verse 8. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, may the king live forever. Your majesty, ha your majesty has ensued a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold. 
and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews who you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who, may, who pay no attention to you, your majesty. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. So let me just recap for a moment. So King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this vast kingdom. He holds unlimited power. He's got hundreds of people to do whatever he says. When he says jump, they say, how high? And it's really clear though that he, the king, is riddled with insecurity, that no amount of wealth or power or status or authority or beauty or success could eliminate. And as we heard last week in chapter two, King Nebuchadnezzar, he has this crazy dream, this wild dream that only Daniel is able to interpret. And Daniel, he told the king that the gold head that he saw in his dream was was King Nebuchadnezzar and it represented power and strength. But his powerful kingdom, Daniel told him, stood on a feet of clay. And all that he had built was destined to be broken and to turn into dust. And so this dream, it haunted Nebuchadnezzar because he knew that no matter how successful he was, all that he had built could easily just fall apart and turn to dust. And so he desperately wanted to prove this dream wrong. And so he set out, as we've just read, to build this massive gold statue. It was 90 feet tall. And the consequence for refusing to bow down and to worship this gold image of the king is to be thrown into the fiery furnace. You see, if Nebuchadnezzar can't earn respect, then he's going to jolly well decree respect. Now, Nebuchadnezzar, he ruled over Babylon. Babylon is a city far from God, where every possible effort has been made to forget God and to embrace this Babylonian pagan culture. I wonder if that sounds familiar to anyone. Babylon was a tough place to be if you wanted to be countercultural. To maintain a vibrant faith in God, despite living and working in a very ungodly culture. Yet today, we are about to come face to face with three godly, gutsy men who show us that there is another way to live in Babylon. There's an alternative way to live. And so the question that we are going to ask ourselves this morning is, what does it take to live uncompromisingly for God where, whilst we're in Babylon, whilst living in Babylon? So point number one, when in Babylon, remember whose attention and whose affection you seek. Let's continue with our story. We're going to read from verse 13. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipe, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. 
But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. Wow. <laughs> I love that. That's such a powerful moment, isn't it? These three men have been brought before this absolutely furious, raging king. There they stand before the whole nation. There they stand before other Hebrews, maybe friends of theirs, who've actually made the decision, I will bow down. I will worship this gold idol. There they stand before the land's greatest powers. And as we hear, they've been given one more chance by Nebuchadnezzar to change, to compromise, to conform, to bow down and worship. And yet their response is unwavering. Their attention and their affection was fixed on the one they know on the one they love, on the one they serve, on the one they trust. And so they go on and they say this, verse 17. If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. For all three of these men, I think they were able to make this unbelievable stand, not because they were superhuman, not because they weren't scared, but because they had spent many years committed to living faithfully to God in their ordinary, in their ordinary life. They had cultivated a life of obedience in the hidden place. In Daniel 1, we see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego decide to drink water and to eat vegetables rather to, than to eat meat and drink wine that the king has ordered everyone to do. And why? Why do they choose that? in order to remain obedient to God, in order to keep themselves separate from the culture of that time. You see, they made decisions that honoured God above themselves, above the pressures of the cultural climate. They chose to be different. They chose to be set apart. They chose to be faithful to the call of God on an everyday basis, on a regular basis. You see, church, a faith that stays standing is a faith that is rooted in God. A faith that stays standing is a faith that has been tended to and nurtured and nourished. And right now, amongst the entire nation who are bowing down, they will remain standing. Because these three men, they have strengthened themselves in the Lord. They're strong in their Lord. They choose not to look to the culture or to people or to things to bring their security. Instead, they put their trust in God, as was their habit. And because of that, it meant that their faith could stand even in this most horrendous and most difficult time. You see, to be distinct and set apart is the call of God on our lives. 
even when we don't want it, even when we don't feel like it, even when we're not in a great place, even when what he's asking of us is seemingly impossible, even when our health is suffering, even when it doesn't align with our plans, even when we're worried about our jobs or our finances, even when we feel insecure and full of doubts and fears. In Prince Caspian, which I think is the second book published in the Chronicles of Narnia series, written by C.S. Lewis, there is a young Lucy, and Lucy experiences a personal visit from Aslan. Now, Aslan is a lion, and he represents Jesus. And as Lucy encounters her old friend, she perceives him to be somehow bigger than how she remembers him from her past experience. And the dialogue goes something like this. Aslan, said Lucy, you're bigger. This is because you are older, little one, he answered. Not because you are. I am not. But every year you grow, you will find me bigger. You will find me bigger. When in Babylon, remember whose attention and whose affection we seek. Point number two. When in Babylon... Remember, God does not always deliver us from the fire, but he never leaves us to face the fire alone. Let's pick up the story again. I told you we're going to be in that, the Bible. It's good, isn't it? So we're in uh, verse 19 now. So let me find it. Okay. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace to be heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Maybe for some of you watching right now, maybe you are facing the fire. Maybe for some of you watching right now, you are definitely in that fiery furnace and you're asking the question, God, why? Why me? Why now? Why do I have to endure this? The truth is, church, it isn't fair. It isn't fair what you are going through. It isn't fair what you are having to face. It isn't fair. I really feel like some of you need to hear that today. Life isn't fair. It's not fair that the, for the heartache that it is bringing you. It isn't fair the impact that it is having on your family or on your friends or on your mental health. It isn't fair the worry and the pain that you are enduring, that you are going through right now. It's not fair. It isn't fair. And until Jesus comes again to decimate our enemy once and for all, we will suffer. We will face the fire. But the incredible news, if you are a Christian today, is that we never, ever face the fire alone. As the nation of Israel was facing captivity, the Lord spoke to them through the prophet Isaiah. 
And he said this to them, when you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. And I wonder in that moment, for, the, for these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, whether those words suddenly came from their hearts onto their lips. And as they were being tied up and about to be thrown into that fiery furnace, I wonder if they're just whispering the promise of the Lord over and over and over again. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. As a child, I was um, seriously unwell for pretty much my whole childhood with a serious uh, kidney disease. And I remember, um, well, I remember my parents telling me when I was three, I ended up in hospital um, because I was very unwell and it was over Christmas. And my parents used to take it in turns every evening to stay over with me. They would uh, sleep in um, a wee camp bed that was set up beside my bed. And it was a particularly difficult time for them to see their little girl struggling and suffering in the way that I was. And also, I think, particularly over Christmas as well, it was just a really hard time for them. And one evening, my dad told me about how he was sitting um, by the chair next to my bed. And I was on quite um, a noisy ward full of children and um, lots of crying and moaning was happening. And as my dad sat there, he said he suddenly, it was like a hush just came over the ward. There was no crying, there was no movement, there was no moaning. And then he said, as he watched, he saw a wind, a wind move from one bed to another to another. And he watched as the curtains fluttered and he saw the Christmas decorations above each child's bed and the balloons that had been blown up just start to move in the breeze. And he looked around because he was like, where's this breeze coming from? The doors were closed. The windows were closed. No one had come in. No one had left. And as he tracked the breeze, he watched as it literally rested over every bed across the ward. And suddenly he realized it was the presence of God. God was there. God was there. And he said in that moment, he experienced a peace that he has never experienced before in his life. A peace that is beyond comprehension, beyond, un beyond understanding. As God came and rested over every child. And in that moment, he knew that God was with him. He knew that God was with me. And he knew that God was with every one of those children in that ward. Let's pick up the story again. Verse 24. Then Nebuchadnezzar, he leapt to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, your majesty. He said, look, I see a fourth man walking around in the fire, unbound, unharmed, and the fourth looks like the son of the gods. The Lord was there. The Lord was there. He was with them in the fire. He had not saved them from the fire, but he had met them in the fire and delivered them out 
of the fire. Church, when in Babylon, remember, God never leaves us to face the fire alone. He never does. Lastly, last point. Point number three. When in Babylon, remember to keep standing. Keep standing. God's passion and his desire is to see the whole of the nation's reach with the good news of Jesus Christ. You know, the Great Commission is all about sending God's people to every nation, every tribe, every tongue. And yet sometimes God sends the nations to us. And this is what we see here is happening with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Remember the crowds? Remember them in verse 4? We read this. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language. Remember all the powers of the governments and the judges and the magistrates and the advisors in verse 2 who were all there? They all witnessed, didn't they, firsthand. King Nebuchadnezzar say to our three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, verse 15, then what God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Well, now they can see. Now they have their answer as these three men stand before the king completely unharmed. Their hair is not scorched. Their clothes aren't singed. They do not smell of smoke in any way. They embody an incredible testimony of faith of a few and the power of the living God. And Nebuchadnezzar's response, verse 28. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command, and they were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own God. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces, typical Nebuchadnezzar, and their houses be turned into piles of rubble. For no other God can save in this way. No other God can save in this way. When in Babylon, remember to keep standing because you just don't know how far and how wide the impact of that stand will make. Why don't we pray? Holy Spirit, we ask that you'd increase what you're doing all over every home. If you feel able and comfortable, why don't you stretch out your hands? Why don't you close your eyes? Just invite the presence of Jesus to come. And we say, Lord, go deeper. Just more of you. More of you. Come into those places of pain. Come into those places of anxiety. Come into those, gr- those deep, deep moans and groans in our very being. Come, Spirit of God. For some of you right now, you might just need to let it out. Just let it out. It's okay. Give it to Jesus. All that pain, all that hurt, all that worry. 
come with your healing, Jesus. And for some of us this morning, we just pray, Father, would you come and would you embolden us with your courage and with your strength? Fill every nook and cranny from the top of our head to the tips of our toes with your courage, with your strength, with your peace. This morning, Lord, we want to strengthen ourselves in you. Because there is no other God like you and we adore you. Amen.